Well, good morning, Community Church. Good morning, Alma. Good morning, online worshipers with us. Speak from the heart. When this concept came up, I found it very exciting because the idea is if the gospel has already been preached and you have one last time to say something, you don't need to share the gospel, it was just done, what would you say? What comes from your heart, the deepest thing from your heart that you would want the people to know? The last time I preached, it was on heaven. Unfortunately, a few weeks ago, I thought that was the last message that I would ever give. And it would have been a good one because then I could go experience everything I had told you about, but God had a different plan. And that plan was for this message, which is on my heart, and it's a message on prayer. That if I had one last thing to say, it would be about prayer. It's not, though, about how to pray. It's not about when to pray. It's not the effect that prayer brings when you're asking for things. None of that. It's a different definition that I've given it for this purpose. And that is, prayer is living in a close relationship with your Creator. That's what it is. When God said that he had determined that he would change us into the image of his son, that happens after that initial gospel has taken place in our lives. And then the transformation begins. The end result is that you and I are walking hand in hand with the creator of the universe. That we're doing it on a moment by moment basis. That's what he desires. So when I'm talking about prayer, I'm talking about being God's beloved, being befriended by God and being bound to him in an eternal relationship. And the avenue for that is prayer. So stay with me as we walk through this concept because I think you're going to find there's some changes you need to make in your lives in order to reach the depth of the relationship God wants to have with you. Many times in Scripture we read about Jesus' relationship with his Father, and this one in Luke 5, 16. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Now, it never says in the Bible that Jesus was lonely. It says that he went to a lonely place. Well, why did he pray? What was his purpose in prayer? It's not like our purpose. Now, you and I go to Jesus, go to the Father, go through the power of the Holy Spirit, and we confess sins. And Jesus never confessed to sin. He was tempted in all ways, just like we are, but he never sinned. So he didn't have to pray and ask forgiveness for sin. He didn't ask for pardon like you and I do in those days when we do or think the things that we shouldn't or say things that are inappropriate and we're going to the Father saying, forgive me, forgive me, 
pardon me, pardon me. Jesus never had to do that. Jesus didn't have to ask for more of the Holy Spirit to guide him in his walk, to help him progress in his understanding of God. He is God. So that wasn't necessary for him. So why did he pray? What was his purpose in prayer? It was to spend time with the Father. It was that simple. He was alone on this earth, if you think about who he is. I mean, just think about it. He is the creator of the universe. He is the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God. He has been in existence forever. There's never been a time when he was not. And he and the Father and the Holy Spirit dwelt in unity throughout all of existence. And yet here, out of obedience, he finds himself as a man. He's become a man to live the life of men and women in order to redeem us from ourselves. The life he's living on this earth is diametrically opposed to that which he left in glory. There is no comparison to it. So he is alone on this earth as the God-man while longing for that continued relationship with his father. How does he communicate his desire to the father to keep that relationship going? Through prayer. He was often found in a lonely place praying. The disciples would misplace him and they'd go try to find him and they knew where to seek because they knew they would find him praying. He was alone, longing for that relationship. Do you mind being alone? Think about that for a moment. See, I don't mind being alone. It doesn't bother me. There have only been a handful of times in my life where I really felt lonely. That's different from being alone. Jesus never felt lonely because of his relationship with the Father. I recently had a lonely experience that some of you are aware of. I found myself going through something that I did not understand. I had no idea what was happening the night in my home when I began to shake. I'm not just talking about a little shaking going on. I'm talking about my entire body. I felt like I was freezing to death. I was shaking so hard I could not even pick up my telephone to try to call my daughter that was in the house or my wife who was in the house to tell them that something was definitely wrong. I put on a winter hat and a winter sweater and I dove under as many covers as I could and my whole body was shaking. I had no idea what was going on. I didn't understand that they were then in the room with me. It didn't register to me. I was running a temperature of somewhere around 102. I didn't feel their presence. I don't remember the trip to the hospital. 
But I remember sitting in the waiting room. The shaking had stopped after about 45 minutes. And I was sitting there. I didn't want to see a television. I was not observing the people around me, which is my normal habit. My daughter and I have a little game we play. We'll see a couple sitting there, and we decide who they are and what they're doing. I was just sitting there. I was in no pain, but basically I had no brain. I knew nothing. I didn't understand why I was there. I saw my wife sitting there for a little while, then she wasn't there anymore. I felt lonely. I knew I wasn't alone, but I felt lonely. And that's when this thought came across my mind. This still small voice spoke into me and said, you're now in a quiet place. I have your attention. Let's talk. You know what my response was? Are you kidding me? Why do we have to do it this way? Couldn't you have just knocked at the house and I would have said, hi, let's talk. You know, why is it that we often have to go through things that we definitely don't want to go through in order for God to get our attention? Well, he got my attention that night because I knew it was my father's voice. I recognized it, that he was there to take away that loneliness Now, my lips never moved. I never acknowledged. I I didn't say anything, but my heart was rejoicing because I knew that in his presence, I now found myself, though I was in a wheelchair and I was very, very sick. I didn't have much to say. (laughs) I'm pretty sure all I said was, help, heal me, which is the normal response, isn't it? Because that's how we think of our benevolent God, our gracious God. He's always there to to help us in our time of need. And so I'm just crying out to that. And later I learned something that I did not know or understand through this whole process. That I had heart failure and kidney failure and bladder failure and sepsis all at the same time. No wonder I was basically out of my mind. I didn't know where I was or what was taking place. I stayed there for six days, and no matter what my physical state, my mind was at peace. My spirit was at peace. Why? Because the Father was with me. The Son was in me. The Spirit was with me. I knew I had the presence of God with me. And I knew it was radiating from me in the few conversations I had with people. They were amazed at what was taking place. They had not seen this before. What God wanted from me was to recognize the need and the availability of a deeper relationship with him. I'm talking about intimacy. 
God created this body. He created all the organs in it. He can speak and make them well. He can allow them to follow a path of illness. But he still is God. You know, blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. And so I'm there totally at his pleasure because he wants me to have this deeper relationship. And in this process, he related to me, look, you are not a culmination of all the things you've done. That's not who you are. You're not because you've accomplished this or failed in this. That doesn't identify you. That's not your nomenclature. Who you are is you're my beloved. You're my child. And I love you. That's what he says to you today. He doesn't look at you or at me and approve of us based on what we've accomplished, what we have, who we are. He loves us because we're his. We're his children. He sent his own child that he might die for us. What great love has anyone that they would lay down their life for someone. And Jesus laid down his life for us. That's that gospel that Pastor Allen preached. And see, it's still alive today. It's alive in every message preached from the heart. Because it's about Jesus and what he sacrificed for us. That intimacy and relationship with the Father is the joy that he looked forward to returning to. So do you have that kind of intimate relationship with him? God says you are beloved. But he takes us beyond that to another level of depth in the time that Jesus had the disciples together at the Last Supper, he's teaching them, and in John 15, beginning in verse 12, these are the words of the Lord. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command, love each other. I want to reveal to you from that passage the progressive nature of God's love for us. That we begin in that original gospel as acquaintances of Christ. Before I became a believer in Christ, I knew of him, but I did not know him. No one had introduced to me my need for him. And when that happened and the Spirit of God opened my heart, I responded to him by saying, okay, I want to be more than an acquaintance. I'd like to be a disciple. What is a disciple? Someone who learns 
from the one teaching them. So the scriptures taught me who God is, who Jesus Christ is, who the Holy Spirit is, how to live. And over time, as I continue to mature in that, and I will until the day I go home to him, I am now turning and sharing that knowledge with others so that disciplers disciple. And that's what he's done. He's moved me from acquaintance to disciple. But there's another step. Being a disciple, I now recognize to be like Christ, I must also be a servant. Well, he came to serve. And how he served us in so many different ways, revealing the Father to us, showing us the Father's love to, to heal the sick, to give sight to the blind, to cause the lame to walk again, to raise the dead, showing forth the power of God through his Spirit. And Jesus said, you're going to be like that too. Because you are going to be more than servants. I'm going to actually bring you into a relationship with me so that instead I have called you friends. You're a friend of God. That's amazing. God is not just this being in another place. This being that is so far removed from us that we don't know him. I talked to him a few weeks ago in a hospital. He was there with me. He was standing by my bed. He was standing next to the wheelchair. He was with me everywhere that I went. And every doctor and nurse that came in, he touched them. And they were involved with me. So we move from the progression of being an acquaintance to being a disciple to being a servant being a friend. There is no better friend than Jesus. He's always there for you. My best friend is my wife. She's always there for me. But there are times when she can't physically be there. Let me tell you, he's always there. Every single time I find him, this friendship opens the avenue for conversation. So I talk to him on a regular basis. Perhaps that's what the Apostle Paul meant when he said, pray without ceasing. He didn't mean going around and mumbling and causing people to watch you to see what you're doing. No, he meant in your heart of hearts, like I was, not able to verbalize, but I was talking with him because he opened this avenue of prayer for me. A friend comes in time of need, don't they? That's when you know. Some would like to come. They're not able. They're still friends. But it's those who are there. And I, I want to thank you for all the prayers, friends. Because you kept me going, as did other places around the world. I remember laying on that gurney waiting for another test. I had probably 15, 16 tests while I was there. Enough blood to float a bank. Every time they came in, we need to get, I know what you need, take what you want. You know, God will give me more. But I can remember in one of those times where they did a heart catheterization, I heard the voice of the Lord. He said, everything will be fine. I'm with you. 
and said, okay, this is great, Lord. And they said, now we're going to give you a little something to make you groggy. I said, that's fine. I, I won't know the difference. And I'm thinking, I'm in the Lord right now. I'm as groggy as you can get. You have no idea how good this feels. And then I see this doctor take out this long wire. And I'm going, you probably shouldn't do that when the patient's still awake. You know? <laughs> and the next thing I hear is, it's over. And, and I'm, it's over. Okay, do I open my eyes and see where I am? You know? <laughs> well, it's not heaven. <laughs> I'm still here, praise God. But I knew that God was with me. It was as though his voice in my heart and mind was overruling the voices that were in the room. I heard mumbling from them, but I heard clarity from him. That's what I want in a friendship, is I want clarity. I want love. And that's what I get. How do you get it? You spend time together. Isn't that right? Those of you who have friends, you spend time together. I'm talking about time where you can see each other. Time where you can respond to one another in person, live. I'm not talking about technological friends. You can have those if you like. But I'm talking about friends who are in the same place as you. And you know, when you have that kind of friend, maybe you've had this. You can go somewhere with them for a long time without saying a word and you're both comfortable. I can do that with my wife. Maybe it's just because she doesn't want to talk to me, but I don't think so. We have been in places where we were quiet. We were both listening to what God was saying. My good friend Joseph Jennings, who went home to the Lord a few years ago, he and I used to ride around before we'd go for him to speak, and we would just be silent. But we knew the friendship was solid. I know I can be in the presence of the Lord and I can speak to him and he'll hear me. Jesus wanted to know the heart of his disciples. So what did he do? He spent three years with them, teaching them, walking with them, sleeping in their vicinity, eating with them, challenging them, discipling them showing them who the Father was through the actions of the Son. He wanted them to really grasp who he was. They didn't grasp it until after he was resurrected and they believed his claim. Then they knew for sure that they had been with God. And the rest of their lives were spent in constant relationship with him. I don't know that we're spending enough time with God. You are beloved by him, and he has befriended you, but are you treating him like your best friend? Continuing in that time that Jesus with the disciples, there's something that we have called the high priestly prayer in John 17, and it's where... Jesus talks about bonding us together, Father, Son, and Spirit, and we who are believers in him. Hear the word of God in John 17, beginning verse 20. 
Jesus is talking to the Father. He says, my prayer is not for them, meaning the disciples, alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. No clearer statement of the Trinity and its unity than right there. The Father and the Son are the same. They are one. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me because there's no other name under heaven or earth where people might be saved in the name of Jesus, the Son of God. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. Now follow that logic. The Father is in the Son, and the Son through His Spirit is in you and me. So we are unified. We are bonded into a relationship with God the Father. And it's that that God seeks for us from the time we're born, that we would be one with him. Let me continue. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you loved me. There's no more important message than this gospel of truth the message of salvation. But salvation means two things. It means being delivered from, and it means being delivered into. Being delivered from, well, from eternal damnation, from hell, from wickedness, from evil, from sin, from ourselves. We have been delivered from all of that, from the wrath of God. And so often that's what we focus upon is we think, okay, I've been delivered from all of that. I've got a great life. Praise God. Well, don't leave out the other half where the bonding takes place. And that is we have been delivered into, into a relationship with God into a walk with God that has been determined from before the foundations of the world. You and I were created to walk in a garden with him. That's where we're headed. But I want to know him better than I know myself before I meet him in person. I want to know everything about him that he has revealed to us. And the way I get to know that is by talking to him because he will tell me about himself. He's told me about himself in Scripture. He tells me about himself through the still, small voice of his Holy Spirit. He tells me about himself as you share what he's doing in your life that's different from my life. He's constantly communicating who he is. But it feels at times that there's a brokenness in our relationship. That I'm not as close to him as I should be. It only takes a slight degree off the mark to take you eventually to where you're nowhere near him. You know, maybe that's you. Maybe you've gotten there unintentionally. 
Maybe you've allowed your time with him to move in a direction it shouldn't have moved, but so often we schedule our time with God. I say that we fall into the category of our prayers being for needs and feeds. You know, I need this, Lord, so can you help me? Can you give me this, Lord? I'm going here, Lord. Can you make sure it's safe, Lord? Nothing wrong with those. You know, thank you for the food, Lord. You know, bless the Lord that, for all that is within me. <laughs> That's how we pray for food. There's nothing wrong with those, but that's not the kind of prayer time God wants. God wants you to find that lonely place. Maybe it's in your car. Maybe it's in the shower. Maybe it's at a restaurant with a cup of coffee. Maybe it's out back. Maybe it's on a walk. Maybe it's working out. Somewhere, anywhere where you've dedicated that time to him. But then you don't just say, okay, we're done, Lord. I'm done working out, so we're done working out. Talk to you at supper. That's not how it works. He wants constant communication. He wants you to be there with him, to love him, to trust him, to let him love you back. That's why he said, may they be one as we are one so that the world may see this. Listen to this. Unity with the triune God lets the world see Jesus through you. The closer you are to him on a consistent basis, the more likely people will see Christ in you, their hope of glory. And they will want to respond to that. Sometimes they don't even know what they're looking at. When we were on vacation this past few weeks, I was returning here, and rather than driving back, I wanted to get back a little earlier. I had a doctor's appointment, so I was going to fly, and I was flying out of Richmond, Virginia. And I got there at about 9.30 in the morning, only to find out that my 11 o'clock flight had been canceled which we're pretty accustomed to now, right? And so I'm praying, Lord, you know I need to get back. Uh, I don't know what route you're going to take me on, but would you give me the joy of the Spirit? Would you let me just be excited that I get to hang out in this airport for however long that will be? <laughs> so I went up to the desk, and the guy says, well, we've rebooked you. I said, that's great. I said, I, I really appreciate that. He said, you sit down. We'll be in touch in a few minutes. I said, okay. About an hour goes by. They canceled the one they rebooked me on. Oh, praise God. Praise God. <laughs> That's all right. I go back up. Well, I'm going to try to get you on the 5 o'clock flight. That's six hours from now. Oh, my. Yeah, praise God. That's wonderful. I said, you know what? You guys at this airline do such a wonderful job for me. Every time I fly, you take care of me. I just so appreciate it. I looked at his name tag. It's Kevin, thanks for the good work you're doing. He said, yeah, have a seat. You know, looked kind of puzzled. And I sat down. And, All right, Lord. You know, I'm, I'm showing the fruit of the Spirit. I'm being kind and gentle and loving and all of those. You know, how long do I have to stay here? <laughs> he comes back over. I got you on the 5 o'clock flight. But I, I couldn't get you the same seat that you had that 
comfort, economy comfort. He said, so you're in the rows with the normal people, but I got you an aisle. I said, that's great, Kevin. Thank you so much. I knew you'd take care of me. Now, I wasn't being disingenuous. I was really thankful. I knew I'd have a flight to get home. The guy who was waiting for me at the Detroit airport wasn't as thankful as I was because he's been there for five hours. And then Kevin comes back over. By the way, for your trouble, I've added 10,000 miles to your account. I said, thank you so much. Praise, uh, thank you. And he left and went, thank you, Jesus. You know, 10,000 miles, that's good, God. You're, you're a good God. You know, I was a good God before I gave you 10,000 miles. <laughs> Five o'clock comes, time to board, different gate. Kevin's moved down there. I'm going through. I have my boarding pass. I put it on the little thing, and he says, just a minute. He hands me a slip of paper. He says, this is your seat. I looked at it, first class. They're going, okay, God. <laughs> Here's what he said to me. I didn't do this for you. He said, but when you live in the fruit of the Spirit, the Spirit yields fruit. Kevin will never forget your attitude. And I said, well, I'll never forget the niceness of Kevin doing this for me. And I had a comfortable ride back. But I stayed in prayer the whole time in seriousness throughout that day. Because there I was, alone. My wife and daughter had gone in a different direction. Other daughter with her kids headed back to Alaska. And I'm there in Richmond. All by myself with God. There is a direct cause and effect relationship when you have a prayerful relationship with God. It allows the Spirit to move. I believe God did what He did not because of who I am, and not because I had any deserving nature to receive 10,000 miles on a first-class pass. I believe he did it to show himself true. He doesn't have to do that for any of us. And I would have had peace flying in anything he put me in, because I trust my God. That's what I say, that after the gospel, what could be more important than a tight relationship with the one who gave us the gospel. And how do we get into that type, type, just tied in a knot relationship with him? It's through prayer. That's why the apostle Paul, when he writes about our enemy and tells us to put on all the armor, you remember what he says at the end of that passage in Ephesians 6? Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert. Always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Prayer is the key to deepening your relationship. You are beloved. You are befriended. You're bonded. You're all his. The question is, where are you in this relationship with him? He's waiting for you. I recently read a story that was related by Michael Reagan, the son of the former president, Ronald Reagan. 
President Reagan spent his final years with Alzheimer's, and he had it very seriously, and Michael was interviewed by Fox News once and told about a time he went to visit his father, and he said, this guy recognized me as one he needed to hug. He didn't know who I was, but he hugged me when I came in, and he hugged me when I left. So one day, my wife and I went to visit him on a Sunday, and we had somewhere to be, and so we left, and we got in our car, and she turned to me, and she said, you forgot something. I said, what? She said, look at the door. When I turned, there was my dad. He had taken these baby steps with Nancy's help to the front door of the house. He was standing there with arms wide open. He remembered <laughs> Alzheimer's. He remembered that I had forgotten to hug him goodbye. So I ran to the steps and fell into his arms. Jesus spread his arms once for us to save us. And now God keeps those arms open, waiting for you to come to him through prayer so that he can bless you. This morning, we're going to give you that opportunity as we will have some people down front on the prayer team, some throughout the auditorium and out in the lobby. If you want to just strengthen your relationship with God today, or if there's some other need that you have, please come forward during that period of time. The next service doesn't start for a while, so we have plenty of time to pray. And get ready for the month of August where we're going to make an impact through prayer and fasting. You'll learn more about it in the weeks to come. Let me pray with you right now. Lord Jesus, thank you for your presence. Thank you for constantly revealing yourself to us in so many different ways. Lord, we repent of not spending the time with you we should. We thank you for the forgiveness you grant. We ask today that you would strengthen us to the callings you have in each of our lives and help us come closer to you. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, from our hearts. Amen. So we're going to have some people coming forward here to be able to pray with you. You can stand now. You can leave. If you need prayer, we'd love to have you down. Have a great week. God bless you.